Good morning. Thank you all for watching this morning in worship. If you didn't say so, my name is Clark Chilton, one of the associate pastors here at Wesley Memorial. How many of you have a brother? Raise your hand. Good. I can see all of you. Good. Just kidding. We don't have cameras in your house, thankfully. But how many of you have a brother? Okay. Now, if you remember, Jesus had a lot of brothers and sisters, actually. And one of Jesus' brothers was James. And when Jesus was doing his ministry from the age of 30 to the age of 33, James did not believe in the actions of his brother. The brother that he grew up with, James, did not believe in the things that Jesus was doing. But something happened in between that doubt and the end of James's life. Something happened between James doubting and being skeptical about his brother to the point where James writes the book of James in the New Testament. Because how would you feel if your brother came up to you and said, Hi, I want to let you know that I'm now the Son of God. I am the Son of God. And one day I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. You would have a few options at this point. For one, you would think, My brother, this may be an improvement for your brother. Maybe this is a, an upgrade. I don't know. I don't know your brother. But more than likely, you would think my brother has lost his mind. I, I wouldn't think my, this is what I need to do is follow my brother. I don't think he's necessarily just a good guy with moral teachings. I wouldn't, you, want, you might not want to devote yourself to everything that he's saying and doing. Because when someone says they're the son of God and they're going to rise from the dead, then they're either a liar or they're a lunatic or they're, the, or they're the Lord, or they're the com completely who they say they were. This is where James found himself early on in his life. He thought, my brother is either a liar or a lunatic. But in the timeline of James's life, something happened. What did he see? What did he witness? James would eventually be stoned to death in the streets of Jerusalem for preaching about his brother the brother he doubted. Who would die for a lie? Something happened in that time period. But I want to tell you this morning, if you have doubt, God will not throw you out. And in the times we've had lately as a nation in our world, Doubts have seemed to be creeping in more than ever before. More people may be doubting God than they were ever before. We don't know where to trust. Maybe our finances are turned upside down. Maybe you're out of work this morning as you watch this. The future of your business is uncertain. Your retirement plan is not at all what you thought it would be. We're all a little bit or a lot anxious. Doubt has crept in in great, great ways in the past many weeks. But I want you to know this morning that if you have doubt, God will not throw you out. That we can draw near to God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, and he will lift you up and give you honor if we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever known someone that doubted everything you ever said? Sort of a, a cynic or a skeptic, if you will. I had a, a friend of mine in college that was a philosophy major. And he was a great guy. He was a good friend of mine. 
But he was the sort of person that no matter what statement of fact you would ever make, he always had a, a, a retort or a comeback to that. I could say something like, you know, uh, this is a piece of paper. And he would say, well, that's just your perception of what a piece of paper looks like. And I would think, oh, great, you're a lot of fun at a party. But he was a good friend of mine. And I appreciated sometimes doubt can be a good thing and that it can lead to greater discovery. It can make you appreciate the truth when you find the truth. Jesus even had a skeptic as one of his inner circle, someone that was close to him for three years, a disciple named Thomas. Thomas was a doubter. But like James, Thomas had an experience that transformed his life forever. That he witnessed something by which he was never the same. It's good to look at how a person ends their life. Just as James was stoned to death in the streets of Jerusalem, Thomas would end, his life would end in the year AD 72. And he would make it as far as southern India preaching about Jesus. There are still churches there today that bear Thomas's name. And a, a mob of people attacked Thomas, demanding he stop preaching about Jesus. They drove spikes through his body. He refused to recant. They put glowing metal plates on his skin. He refused to recant. And he eventually died there in India. What did Thomas witness? What did he see? Who would die for a lie? Now, doubts typically go into two buckets. There are really two questions when it comes to doubt. Is it worth it, and is it true? Is it worth my time and my energy, my allegiance, my money? Is it worth it, and is it true? Did Jesus really exist? Did the resurrection actually happen? Is the Bible trustworthy? Doubt looks at you and I today and questions us, is it worth it and is it true? Many today are looking at Christianity, religion, the resurrection, and just like James and Thomas were initially, they can ask the same question, is this worth it and is it true? Because under the statement of doubt is really a statement of trust. Thomas claimed that he would not believe in the resurrection until he saw proof. James thought his brother initially thought he was a lunatic. All belief boils down to trust. When someone says they don't believe something, what they're really saying is, I don't trust it. And this is really the cry of many people today in our culture, especially young people. I think a lot of young people today do want to believe in Jesus Christ but they don't know if they can trust him. They don't know. I think people today may see the church as old-fashioned, judgmental, self-serving, and people are driven more by doubt than they are by faith. Sometimes doubt, like I said, can lead to greater discovery. But if you don't deal with doubt in the right way, doubt can take you out and lead you down a path of pessimism and cynicism. And you a lack of trust in anything. And I believe that many people today are miserable because they're putting their trust in all the wrong 
things. People today hear the voice like James and Thomas heard initially. Is it worth it? And is it true? Because many people today, over 96% of Americans say they believe in God. And like the old country song says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Everyone really needs God. They know they need Christ, but you don't know how to trust him. Is he trustworthy? Because people today have been so marketed to and lied to, we don't know how to trust or who to trust. There's armor around our hearts. We have defenses built up. And today is the day to let the armor come off, to let the defenses fall down, and to surrender to the fact that the resurrection was an actual historical event. I would submit to you today that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not make-believe, but that it actually happened. How do, I, how do I know that? Well, not only that for myself personally, I could say that, but every church stands as a testament to the reality of a resurrection. Who would die for a lie? Who would build a church on a false premise? And you can know that fact today for yourself, just as billions and billions of other people have done throughout the ages. They can know the truth and the reality of the resurrection today. What did they witness? What did they see? Who would die for a lie? Maybe you've heard the name Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was an attorney, and he was special counsel for the Nixon White House in the early 1970s. Now, for those of you that are younger than me, I'm a 1979 model. For those of you that are younger than me, Watergate was a big deal. It was a scandal that led to Richard Nixon's impeachment. Chuck Colson would eventually spend seven months in federal prison for obstruction of justice. And while he's in prison, Chuck Colson has a dramatic conversion experience to Jesus Christ. And he would then, after he leaves prison, would go on to start a ministry that would minister to thousands and thousands of prisoners around the world, even to this day. What would transform a nominally religious man, if at all, into a champion for Jesus Christ? What did Chuck Colson witness? What happened to him? He said this, and I quote, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, 12 men that could not keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. What did James witness? What did Thomas witness that dispelled all doubt? I'll tell you, Jesus is alive. That's what they witnessed. They witnessed him bodily resurrected from the dead. 
The verses that we heard the children read a few moments ago in John chapter 20, what I'm preparing to read are the verses preceding or succeeding those verses in John 20, starting in verse 24. But Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas didn't see Jesus raised from the dead. So the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, a week later, he waited a week. Sometimes God's answers to your doubts might not come immediately, but God will provide the truth in the right time for you. A week later, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, He seeks out the doubter. He seeks out the skeptic. He turns to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. We need people like Thomas. This isn't the first time Thomas asked questions such as this. In a few chapters earlier in John, Jesus is giving great teaching about the life to come after this life. He gives great detail and hope for life after death. And Jesus says things like this in John 14, which are very appropriate for today in the world in which we are living. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas speaks up. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? It's a great question. And it's a great question for Easter Sunday. How else would you get the answer you're looking for unless you ask? And the question really is, where do we go when we die? And how do we get there? Thank God for Thomas. The stone has been rolled away. The tomb is empty. And Jesus is ask, Thomas is asking the, the ultimate question. Can we defeat death? And the answer is on our own human ability. The answer is no. That we reap the death because of sin in our lives. But thanks be to God, we can have eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That, we, that no matter how much money or pride or resources or technology we have, human beings will never be able to defeat death. And yet it is, impossible, it is possible through Jesus Christ. Jesus' answer to Thomas's question is himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way. I am an option. I'm another choice on the buffet line of religion in America. No, he says, I am the way, the truth. I, my very self is the door 
Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. And few find it. We need doubters sometimes because the enemy of faith is not doubt. The enemy of faith is unexpressed doubt. If you doubt, seek answers and the Lord will provide them. And every time that we hear doubts from Thomas or other places in the Bible, you get an answer. Jesus encourages us, keep asking and seeking and knocking and the door will be opened to you. If you have doubt, God will not throw you out. James, Thomas, Chuck Colson, millions and millions of people maybe started in a skeptical place, just like maybe some of you are today. And just like them, your life can be transformed when you realize that everything hinges on the resurrection. Everything rises and falls on this fact that Jesus is not a liar. He's not a lunatic. But we must come to the realization that he is Lord. Lord over all of the heavens and the earth. You may be thinking though, well so what? That worked for Thomas, that worked for James. I don't need that in my life. I don't need to have a religion in my life. I'll say this to you. I've never met anyone in my life that trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and would come to regret it. Not one person. Everybody I have met knew that was the best decision they ever made in their life. And it wasn't just to conquer death, as wonderful as that is. It was to realize that we can have the image of God restored in our souls. That we can be remade as God initially wanted us to be. Transformed, born again by the Spirit of God. And you will never know this truth until you try it yourself, until you taste and see that the Lord is good. So I think the Lord's word to you today and to me and to all of us is do not doubt any longer, but believe. The evidence of the resurrection is everywhere. If Jesus indeed is risen, how will that change your life? How will that change how you view the world? How will that impact the hope you have for the future? My friends, I would be honored to pray with you at this time. Let us pray. God in heaven, thank you, Lord, that you are risen. That so many lives are testimony to that fact, to, that, to the reality that you have risen from the grave. And I pray for new resurrection power upon every life and home represented here this morning. Your blessing to rest upon them, that they would know how great is your love for each and every one of us that you went to the cross in the moment on that Good Friday when the disciples thought it was all over and you brought beauty out of ashes and you rose from the dead. We can have that same hope in our souls on this day and every day. And I pray for anyone here today that is hopeless, that is broken, that doesn't know where their hope is. They don't know what they're trusting. They're trusting in all the wrong things. I pray that they would put their hope and all of their full trust in you, Lord Jesus, for you are the way and the truth and the life. Amen.